Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome back to Curse, Code, and Crown, a live play Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition podcast featuring a fully original world and campaign. I am the wizard Cronox, observer of time. Curse, Code, and Crown features our regular voiceover artists and improvisers, Laura Hamstra as the Orc Countess Ida and Princess Gwendolyn. Tyler Hewitt as Maka Deathcap, and Ryan LaPlante as Duncan Kindano, alongside our Dungeon Master, the incredible Tom McGee. So get ready for an adventure including thrills, chills, and hope for a brighter tomorrow. It's time for Curse, Code, and Crown! The night passes without incident. Uh, Maka, you take your watch, as uh, as you often do, uh, with, with vigilance and uh, I think to some degree a, a sense of calm that not a lot of people can manage uh, on a watch. Um, what do you think uh, Maka considers over the course of, of the night? Obviously, you're, you're attentive and you're keeping an eye out, but as we've established, this is kind of the border of what was previously pretty hostile and spooky territory, so there, there aren't really... A lot, like I think, after a while, it becomes very clear you're you're watching an empty field, yeah, um, on the edge of some woods. But um, what do, what do you spend the night pondering? Um, I think his mind flits from a couple different subjects. Um, I think he thinks about how shaky his confidence was in his abilities and kind of what connection he had to this tainted Jossie mm -hmm. um, during the days at sea where he was worried about if his powers would go out of control or if he was going to hurt someone that he wasn't meaning to hurt or infect them with the, the taint of dark Jossie. Um, and then kind of reflecting on the confidence with which he like wielded those powers in the, uh, in the valley, I can't remember the valley of never-ending storms. Of eternal remember. storms. Eternal storms. Excuse me. Um, and I think, sort of, during his watch, kind of comes to the conclusion that, you know, he he's enough 
of an individual, although he is his almost his entire identity is based around being like an agent of Jossie. Um, he's still an individual uh, um, operating on her behalf. Mm. Um, and even if she is wrathful right now, something he never thought she had the capacity to be, um, he still believes it's his duty to protect her and to uh, uh, enact her her will, her the grander scheme of nurturing and maintaining the cycle of life and death and back into life again. So I think pondering that and 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 thinking about how he kind of had a, a lack of confidence early on and then during combat rescuing people and things like that, he, he was kind of reassures himself over the course of the night thinking that he is... He's in control of how he dispenses his magic uh, and things like that, and that his mission has not changed. Gotcha. Yeah. How is he? Uh, how's he feeling about the use of necromancy, or is that even a concern for him at this point? It's not a major concern for him. I know, like I know that Duncan really kind of took issue with what was what he was doing. Um, uh, a couple moments there, but they haven't had a chance to really talk about it. Um, but uh, um, for for Maka, it's a tool that can be used for good, i.e., enriching or 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 accelerating or exaggerating uh, the cycle in certain aspects, or mm-hmm. it can be used to break the cycle entirely, kind of thing, right? Um, and so. It's uh, it's it's it needs to be handled responsibly. But he's not out. He's uh, he he doesn't have a problem with the way that he's using it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so over the course of the evening, um, you um, you, you ponder these things, and I think regain a bit of confidence in yourself. Uh, actually, having a moment to reflect and to reframe uh, the the nature of of Jossie as she relates to you right now. And I, I think uh, kind of picking that very sort of existential quandary choice of, I can't necessarily control what Jossie has become, but I can control how I act in her name and kind of how, how I can enact the, the will that, you know, uh, existed. Um, and, and hopefully with the, the untainted glomer can exist again. Um, you also, uh, I think, um, as you, you kind of, uh, ponder through these things, um, you can feel your your wooden arm um, sort of begin to, to uh, shift a little bit um, as uh, as the night goes on, and um, this isn't new. Um, as you uh, as we have discussed previously, the uh, the root folk um, uh, archivist consciousness is slowly integrating like generations of knowledge into your. Uh, Kind of like into both uh, the cluster, but also into your mind and mm-hmm. and kind of how this works. Um, and uh, you get a very clear image in your head uh, as you you kind of feel this this shifting of um, vines entangling um, uh, projectiles. So um, sort of missiles, uh, whether they're would probably be darts to your to your mind, thorns being thrown. Um, but you can feel your your arm kind of shift, and as you look down, you can see. The, uh, the sort of rooted, um, sort of twisting wood um, almost breathe a little bit. And um, it becomes very clear to you as, as you look at this 
uh, that uh, you would be able to do this, that your arm has this capability. Um, so uh, as you sort of meditate throughout the evening, uh, you'll be granted uh, the equivalent of gloves of missile snaring as your, your wooden arm um, regains some of its uh, previous capability. Uh, so the way this works is um, as long as your wooden hand is free, which it often is, given that you're usually wielding a shillelagh and you, you don't really uh, fuck with shields, uh, you can use your reaction to reduce the damage of a projectile of a ranged uh, weapon attack by 1d10 plus your dex modifier, provided you have the free hand. If you reduce the damage to zero, you can also catch the missile if it is small enough to hold in that hand. Okay. So basically... I, hmm? I do um, typically take a shield, actually. You do have a shield. Okay. metal, yeah. It's a big... Uh, I, I call it uh, petrified wood. It's like right, it's okay. hardened minerals. Um, okay, great. Well, regardless, um, this your shield will likely provide you better defense uh, overall than this. But okay. um, if you are caught unawares or you are unarmed right. for any reason uh, or you're not wielding a shield, this is uh, a capability you have specifically with your wooden arm. Okay. Um, so Thank this you. isn't uh, something that you can necessarily do on your own, but um, definitely something that that is possible. Okay, thanks. Um, Duncan, uh, given what, uh, well, this is actually more a Ryan question than a Duncan question. Um, given, uh, that you haven't had a chance to talk to Maka about, um, the necromancy piece and you established last episode that Duncan isn't really going to sleep tonight. Um, given that he's, you know, uh, concerned about the things he's concerned about. Um, do you think you would t try and go and talk to Maka about this today? Or is this something you would hold for later? This is a rare circumstance where I think when Duncan, because Duncan could probably take the next watch after Marcus, there'd be that changeover. I think he's hoping it goes away. I think Duncan mm -hmm. likes Maka and Maka usually makes sense. So he's almost hoping it was an exception. But nah, he's not going to be able to not talk about it. That's not who Duncan is. So yeah, mm -hmm. Duncan goes to kind of trade places at the fire and he goes, so necromancy, eh? Hmm. What of it you have? You have seen someone here using necromancy? That is innately correct, yes. <laughs> Show them to me. <laughs> Duncan just raises a hand and points at Maka directly. Maka looks over his shoulder and looks back says, uh, Ah, you are referring to me, yes? Yes. Mm, yes. So you've been a sworn enemy of necromancy at all times until you randomly started using it. Mm, not randomly, no. I have been an enemy of necromancers. Mm. Those who use death magics exclusively to selfish or destructive ends, yes. But in serving Jossie, I am gifted with smaller death magics, the ability to manipulate life and death to varying degrees, yes. Yes, but you said necromancy is using death magic to destructive ends and you raised the dead to kill the living yes so where's the difference hmm. 
a hypothetical question for you, Duncan. Hmm? All right, they're my least favorite, but let's do this. You are a master with the blade, yes? Yes. Hmm. You use this blade to protect those who cannot protect themselves. You defend what is your idea of justice, the true, truest justice, yes? Correct. Hmm. There are those who would use blades to harm the innocent, to enforce their will on others, to slay and kill others. Yes. The blade... Hmm. The blade has no choice in this. It is up to the wielder how to use the blade. So too does necromancy not have a choice over who is using it and how it is being used, but it must be used mm, with restraint, discretion, yes. Mm. But necromancy corrupts who you are at the core of you. There are no stories of good necromancers raising the dead to protect kingdoms of the innocent. They kill, they pervert, they escape the cycle that you've sworn yourself to. Mm. Yes. Picking up a knife does not mean that you must use it or that it'll draw you to bigger blades or more innocent victims or killing so that your knife can kill. Necromancy does that. Hmm. This is in your experience, yes? That you know this? This is everything I've read about history. Admittedly, that's more limited than I would like have discovered walking around the world. What you said is Jassy gives you the ability to control death so did the Necrotis, and the Necrotis almost destroyed the world, giving out necromancy and other blasphemous powers. Mm. Yes, necromancy used on a massive scale, yes. Yes. This is not something I would ever do. I am not known as a necromancer to anyone. It's true, but did you have this ability before Jossie fell? Hmm. Yes, indeed I did. In Sprongbreck, I summoned the dead dwarves recently fallen to rise again and aid us in a battle against that demon. I guess, but those were powered by your spores. I could see that magic, or is this other magic? Your magic confuses me, and I don't feel safe when the dead are rising because that's everything I've been told is wrong but you're telling me this is just another blade to be used there's no difference between necromancy and the sword mm. I see no distinction in my magic when I am bringing a corpse back to temporary life or healing you or Gwendolyn, closing your wounds, should I not also just let you pass away, given that this magic is inherently evil? Hmm? Well, battling to maintain life is different than summoning life into the dead. Hmm. It is life on a different scale. Hmm. The spores, they live off of the dead flesh, make it ambulatory once more. But the person, the person who that 
decaying flesh once was is no more. Hmm. Would that you teach I this can... magic to others? Do you believe this is a school that people should learn? It is not a school. I am incapable of teaching any of this to anyone. One day, I was Maka Tengo. Then I died. And then I woke up as Maka Deathcap, and I knew things... I knew things I could never have known in life. And you were raised by Jassy? Mm, yes. Raised to enact her will to protect the cycle, as it is now threatened by overzealous use of death magic, necromancy. Mm. These Sinkai. Well, then it appears that you're the exception to the rule, my friend. Because you're not a mortal using necromancy. You're an aspect of a god. And gods do what they will. Unless justice stops them, and that's sort of what I'm here for. But I will stand by you, and you will use your gifts. Don't go mad like your god. I must confess I have pondered on this on the boat. I thought to myself, should this aberration of Jossie corrupt me as I use this magic, as I manipulate spores, would you and Gwendolyn be able to stop me? And the answer came back, yes, Duncan Kendano would see it done. Hmm. Take solace in that, my friend. I don't know if I can take solace in that, but I can accept it as a necessity. Most importantly, though, you need to save your goddess. I've been thinking about what to call you because I don't believe referring to you as the gravekeeper of the Tortles of Bleen Hmm. is true anymore. That is no longer a title befitting of what I am or what has become of my people. Do you have a new title for yourself that you'd prefer? Hmm. No, Duncan, I do not. Well, I was thinking, and Jassy has indeed lost her mind. I think we could agree at this point. But clearly, through empowering you and the possibility for healing, her heart remains. And perhaps that heart is you. Perhaps you're Maka Deathcap, the heart of Jassy. Uh, I can't remember if this has ever happened or not, but you, you watch Maka uh, smile at that. And he'll just uh, <laughs> give one curt nod and say, uh, hmm. This is an honor, an honorable title. Thank you, Duncan. You've earned it for yourself, my friend. Now it's your turn to rest and it's my turn to watch the darkness. Mm. Take care. Sleep well, heart of Jassy. I will. 
Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Looking to get out of the ads and back to the story? Fable and Folly Plus is a new way to support the creators you love. The podcast you're listening to right now and more than 60 others can be heard ad-free for as little as $4 a month by visiting fableandfolly.com slash plus. And now you'll start to see Fable and Folly Network shows are offering bonus content to all existing and new supporters. Find exclusive new episodes from shows like Civilized and Realms of Peril and Glory. Fable and Folly Plus. Sign up today at fableandfolly.com slash plus. Duncan, you can give yourself one point of inspiration Ooh. helping your friend through an existential crisis. <laughs> and then... The smile. <laughs> Duncan will spend his shift uh, due to simultaneously an ability upgrade, but also just the world. Um, he will have been using... Uh, he's realized Mr. Bang has his moments, and he greatly loves Mr. Bang, but Mr. Bang, uh, when facing multiple targets, can only shoot one of them. Hmm. So... He took some of the gear that they discovered through all the weird science stuff, and he's been reworking the weapons, so he'll, he'll finish it tonight. Mr. Bang has, in fact, uh, been split into two separate pistols uh, with each of the barrels separated and reworked. Uh, and he's figured out through looking at a bunch of the science tech how to create the equivalent of uh, a preloaded musket shell. So it's, it's more... Similar to the bullets we'd use now, he can put the powder in it. It has a musket ball at the front, and it can go in. Uh, and they load into uh, the the grips of the two pistols that he has. And the front of them is built like the Remington shotguns, if you're thinking of Terminator 2, where it's got the loop around the fingers and a trigger at the top. So he can actually shoot the guns and then just twirl them around his hands, <laughs> and they auto-reload, and he can shoot again. Uh, cool. So he'll be carrying one on nice. each hip moving forwards, uh, introducing Mr. and Mrs. Bang uh, as his <laughs> future gun companions. Because um, he got a new skill to a, a wedding oh. somewhere in this series, and I'm glad yeah. we got that. You wait until they have kids. Um, but yeah, so uh, he gets to ignore the loading properties of weapons uh, if they're one handed. So it'll mean he can fire every round instead of having Whoa. to take a round to, to re-musket right. his guns. Uh, and uh, this, the, the first barrel that he's always had, Mr. Bang, uh, he now has advantage on the first range shot uh, every turn with his one Mr. Bang pistol. Right. So extra filigree on that one. They're looking cool. Nice. Yeah, it's the uh, the Red Dead 2 situation where you just went in and got like cool shit added to them and maybe changed the color slightly. Yes, exactly. Uh, lovely. Uh, okay, They're great. pearl handled now. Ooh. <laughs> uh, but also a finger grip, so you can <laughs> spin reload. Uh, nice. Uh, all right. Very good. So you spend your night uh, upgrading uh, the Bang family. Um, I think uh, it's probably the two watches for the night. I imagine Fallow Ted takes one because uh, it's his literal job. Hmm. Um, so he'll relieve you at some point. Um, Gwendolyn, you don't really sleep. Um, so even though you're not on watch, uh, you also kind of have some time with your thoughts. Um, what is, uh, where we'd kind of, uh, left 
Gwendolyn, uh, as we left uh, the, uh, as we exited rather the Valley of Eternal Storms, was thinking about the common folk uh, and trying to get a better sense of of Gren, um, because yeah. I think um, your experiences with with Doc Malvern and um, the uh, the clinic folk really, I think, altered the way you consider um, consider the world and also consider the mission of the Alliance of Equals. Um, because, uh, yeah, between Neb and, and Bleep, it's it's a pretty different, pretty different situation than you, you thought. Uh, yeah. So what uh, what goes through your head as you don't sleep? <laughs> um, as you just sit there with presumably dirt packed into your helmet. Well, now there's a bit of a revelation here because Gwendolyn had assumed that her father was dead mm-hmm. and now she knows okay, that he's yeah. alive which yeah you got a whole bunch of shit dumped on you questions about mm-hmm. like okay the trying to like make these big sweeping changes and how Orville would be run in its place in the world in the future. And Gwendolyn no longer knows if, like, she'll even have the power to do any of this anymore. So it's kind of a weird thing of, like, I think she'd kind of gotten used to the fact that her father was dead mm-hmm. and had been acting accordingly and kind of really like envisioning herself leading Orville in the future. So this is, it's almost like, oh, well, you know, she's glad he's alive, but it does complicate things. Yes. Um, so I think there's, there's just a lot of thought on like, well, okay. If he's alive and sane, cause that's a whole other thing. Like, I don't think she's really worried about her father. Mm -hmm. I don't think they had really that relationship where, like, I don't think she cares for him greatly. I think, you know, she probably, Duncan was probably more of, like, a teacher in life than, like, her dad was. Um, Yeah, I've always viewed their relationship more as... uh, almost like a manager and an employee yeah tra- like and an assistant manager like you're training to become manager so you're you know cordial and pleasant and, like you understand each other you probably got along just fine but the familial warmth was not ever really a thing yeah yeah so um <laughs> i think there are a lot of like uncomfortable thoughts that she's having which is just like okay so if her father survives and, you know, is capable of ruling. What does that mean? Gwendolyn believes that the right person should inherit the throne of Orville. And who the right person is and what that means has changed significantly. So I don't think that she... I don't think she believes that her father is the right person to rule anymore. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And I don't think she's probably going to think further than that because that's a big fucking thought to have. 
Can you roll me a, a history check, please? And I'll sure. give you advantage on this. Um, okay. That is a 24. 24. Um, it's spoken about rather quaintly um, in, in court and as you were growing up. But uh, you do, of course, recall that when uh, uh, Amala um, declared an heir um, to become the first uh, Kinsolaris, uh, the first uh, philosopher ruler under her, um, or after her, rather, uh, having, of course, sustained mortal injury in her final battle against uh, Asher Tamlin. Um, the goal was always to adopt, uh, we talked about this a few episodes ago as well, but to adopt an appropriate heir um, into the, in, into rulership. Now, granted, yeah. that um, that is several generations lost. Um, and also that also didn't always work out. Like there are plenty of instances where the wrong person was selected. Um, so it's interesting. And I, with the 24, I think we can safely say that Gwendolyn does know this, that this isn't like something that we, the players know, but Gwendolyn, the character does not weirdly, um, you're talking just now about the idea that who should rule has changed, but really you're kind of talking about reverting to the original intent of right. the system. Now, what you've learned from a variety of things already is that the original intent of systems doesn't mean that they're correct, nor that they yeah. work for the modern world. But in this case, that is kind of what you're you're talking about. What's interesting, though, is if I'm reading what you're saying correctly, you're considering that Gwendolyn feels that she herself should take the throne after she's learned all the things she needs to learn under Duncan's tutelage and the tutelage of like Gren and the world and learning everything about the world. Um, but weirdly, what I think is kind of neat is you've come around from the idea of I'm the princess, so I get to rule Orvel and I'll be a better ruler than my father to the right person should rule, but that person needs more than just a hereditary line. Ergo, yeah. I am the right person to rule, not because of blood, but because of experience and education and understanding. So ironically, it's the same result either way. It's just a much different way of thinking about it, which mm -hmm. in turn will complicate it greatly. I know you're, you're dealing with the complex feelings of like, uh, am I leading a coup against my father? What's actually going on here? Yeah. But also <laughs> in that to make that work, you will essentially have to come back and say, well, yes, this is technically mine by blood, but ignore that. It should be the right person, but I'm also the right person. Yeah. Which is a really fucking complicated um, argument to make, particularly to the court of Gren. Yeah, and should, can I tell you, like, I I literally Please. just updated one of my bonds on my character sheet. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like, it used to be the right person must inherit the throne, and the right person is me. Mm -hmm. That has changed to the right person may not be me. Oh, okay. So right. I think that's like she's kind of come to realize like she has a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and that really changed with like her conversations with Doc Malvern. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, there's definitely feeling that right person is not her father. And it's Nikos, right? It's gotta be. Yeah. Nikos. It's Nikos. Yeah. yeah great. great. Good, we good. Won. Well, mission Perfect. accomplished. Yeah. Show Gwendolyn over. can retire. Um, <laughs> Gwendolyn journeys to the Sinkai yeah. to join up. Yeah, we are now curse and code, I guess. Um, curse, uh, code, and Kai. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's great. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I think it, it, it's, um, she needs to learn. And I don't think, she hasn't seen anyone else. She's never come across anyone else that seems to be fully invested in everyone 
and mm-hmm. Gren. You know what I mean? Like it seems to be like everyone's invested in their own um, culture, their own like small society and the relations they have with like people they trade with and such, but not necessarily like the welfare of all. So I think as long as she is the only one who seems to be concerned about that, she will see herself as the person who should be on this journey to retake the throne and bring people together. But she'll also be looking out for kind of allies in to join the Alliance of Equals, but also allies who are also interested in the welfare of all. Cool. Cool. All right. I like all that. So a fraught evening, certainly. Um, yeah, she's having a lot of thoughts. Yeah. Um, I assume Ita just kind of uh, is able to rest. Um, yeah. She's probably pretty burnt out by all of this. Um, there's a lot of chaos, which, of course, sort of spits in the face of everything she believes in. Um, you look like you've got something, Laura. <laughs> well, there's just one thing, because I think Ida, <laughs> Ida is just like, oh, shit, I need to teach. I need to teach people what I know, because I think <laughs> having seen um, Sylvia Tome and how she, like, perverted science so much, I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, shit. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe Ida can, like. I feel like she needs to prove that she's like a teacher. She's like, or Mm. can learn and can teach others because like everything's fucked in her world. So, um, so this is part of like what Ida's gained too, as, as she leveled up, (laughs) (laughs) which is she became an expert educator, Mm. which means that, um, she can choose like one skill tool, weapon or language that she has proficiency in. Um, and basically at the end of a long rest, um, any creature that can hear her can gain one of those proficiencies until the end of her next long rest. Interesting. Okay, cool. So I think if this is more of like, of a practice of just like, let's, let's start with something small. And I don't know if you remember, but Ida gained proficiency in talking in Duncan's accent. So Mm. in Sprongbrack. Oh. And so uh, seeing, I think, Squire Nibs and his affinity for Duncan, she's going to teach him that. So Damn. for the next day, he can talk like Duncan. So, so Nibs, get, Nibs gets to be Scottish for a day? He gets to be Scottish. You're welcome, Tom. <laughs> thanks. thanks <laughs> Only Laura. if he wants to, though. Only if he wants to. It's Nibs. Of course he's going to fucking want to. <laughs> you think that kid has impulse control over things he admires? Um <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, I love I love that that take that it's like a direct result of being disappointed by your idol has led yeah. to uh oh. And also it's it's fun because I mean when we met Ita, she was very much like, this is my first job outside of learning yeah. and realizing that like the Empire is more corrupt than she expected. And then also that um, you know, your idols can disappoint. I think it's really fun to be like, uh, I'm disappointed by this, ergo, I must uh pushback is uh is super fun it's also nice that the barking butterflies uh, are also uh around this camp you know they um they they they're never far uh just flittering around the woods 
Uh, okay, that's cool. I like that a lot. So Ida is now on a quest to help um, undo the damage done by by people who don't yeah. properly um, respect and honor the teachings that she holds dear, which I think is uh, honestly kind of a, a really sweet way to think about it, which is just like, the stuff matters to me, and I've seen it perverted enough times now that I need to right some wrongs about yeah. it. Um, also, which makes her real-world parallel Neil deGrasse Tyson. Like, just trying to teach scientific <laughs> literacy to people all over the place. Yeah, or like the actual Bill Nye, who's just like, oh god, okay. Um, look, I taught this to kids forever, didn't think I'd have to teach it to adults, but here we are, so <laughs> I'm gonna start swearing. And I was like, Perfect. thanks, Bill Nye. Um, who is uh, a huge personal hero and huge influence. So, good stuff. <laughs> Uh, I just want to clear that up, that Sylvia Tome is a fictional character, uh, not in any way related to the real man, who is amazing. Um, <laughs> just in case you didn't get that from the science gnome part of it. Yeah. Uh, great. So, um, uh, you know, just a nice, simple night for everyone then, I guess. <laughs> um, but happily not one where you're, you know, ambushed or betrayed or uh, anything else. Um, you awake uh, to um, a an overcast uh, an overcast sky. Um, it's strange being back in regular weather patterns after being in the uh, the Valley of Eternal Storms, where everything was wacky. Um, you know, the fact that it's not raining up is kind of a nice hmm. uh, a nice piece. The fact that you're out of that weird closed circuit the cloud giants had set up to just constantly allow them to refresh their clouds. You're just in normal clouds. It's nice. It's nice to be walking around in that. Um, it's a cool morning. Um, it's kind of if you uh, sort of a classic camping morning where you know you're nice and cozy in your, your sleeping bag, and you get out and you're like, oh, it, it's it's chilly uh, today, and it's a bit of that. So there's sort of a cool uh, cool breeze uh, on the air, um, but you're dry and you're no longer <laughs> dealing with weird storms. So there's that. Um, you wake uh, to. Um, uh, the uh, the fire has been tended all night, obviously, by anyone who's on watch. So the fire is still going, although it's small. Um, and um, you're met with the uh, the pleasant aroma of uh, coffee. Um, that is something that uh, I think Duncan were you were you a coffee guy? Do you think back in uh, back in Orville? I think he'd drink anything better. I mean, if Orville has it, yeah, he he would have engaged with that. It feels like the hangover swell, which would definitely live in a Duncan world <laughs> for sure, and also just like. Gotta gotta stay awake. Gotta keep vigilant. Um, Maka, this is probably something you have not encountered. Um, although Bleen certainly traffics in a lot of coffee beans, um, I don't feel like Maka would be. You're more of like a going to brew some mushrooms and, and yeah, steep yeah, those and bread and water. Kind totally. Of guy. Yeah. Yep. Um, Ita, I think you would be familiar with it, but I don't know if you would drink it. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Long hours writing her thesis. Ida's all about that coffee. Okay. Ida's like Laura when Laura was in school. <laughs> Ida was like a f- five cups a day. Mm. <laughs> right on. Okay. Still seems like four cups too few, but I'm with you. Um, <laughs> so with the uh, the barking butterflies uh, flitting about, uh, you um, you're enticed by the smell of of brewing coffee, uh, and are pleasantly surprised because such. Uh, Noble comforts seem at odds with uh, the the humble camp. So drawn by the smell of of brewing coffee, uh, you kind of shuffle your way to the fire. And um, Hadrian uh, already has a, a mug uh, and is you know as as you would expect from a, a man of his bearing, kind of has like one foot up on a log, like staring into the horizon with a steaming mug in his hand. 
Um, and uh, he just kind of raises it uh, to uh, Ita and uh, Duncan as you approach the, the fire um, and says, uh, though many of the objects we took from the treasury were meant for barter and to secure assistance down here and down low, some were simply meant for creature comforts. I hope you enjoy as much as I do. And takes a, like a hearty sip. And for a brief second, there's just, just a look of contentment crosses his face. Um, and Duncan, given that you're already kind of like planning to talk to him about his mental state, you can tell that this is one of the, like, this is the equivalent of like a warm blanket for him. It's like one of the few nice things that's going right in his life. Um, and uh, yeah, so he takes a sip and, uh, and, and just kind of uh, relaxes a little bit. Um, there is food. Again, it's, it's the same sort of uh, fare you had the night before. Again, there's not much. It's not much variance here. It's all what what you got. Um, but yes, is there anything you want to do before you, you set off in search of uh, the uh, the Exiles Moon? Uh, Duncan will eat and drink because uh, between Nibs and the various conversations, this seems like the world's worst plan to murder us. If it is that, so he, he's <laughs> gonna he's gonna tuck in at this point. <laughs> and just seeing Hadrian have such a nice morning. Duncan will let him have this breakfast. He'll check in on the road, but he's like, he looks so happy. Like, I don't want to break this man. And the conversations (laughs) to come are going to be like, how are you? Are you still sane? By the way, we're both first captains. I was also freed of my oath to the crown. I don't know what your situation is there. Oh, yeah. And I've converted like 40, no, like several hundred possible new Dawnbreakers around the world. He's just got a lot to say. And if he could have a nice coffee, he wants Hadrian to have a nice coffee first. <laughs> yeah, the best part of waking up is existential dread and a, a conversation about the nature of your order, your oaths, and how your system works in your yeah. cup. Uh, yeah, it's the, the, the classic catchphrase for that brand. Uh, okay, that, that makes sense to me. Um, so yes, uh, Nerman, um, still very true to his, his uh, station and profession, um, pours uh, for everyone um, who wants it. Um, and, uh, yeah, collectively you have a, a relatively, um, like a relatively nice morning. Um, it's a little tense. There, there's definitely a sense of, um, uh, anticipation in the air. Um, the, uh, all of the, uh, the folks who've been having the visions report that, uh, they, they dreamt, uh, very vividly of them and they, they know they're getting close. Uh, which is good because, as uh, Hadrian has pointed out, uh, the moon will will soon be be full. Uh, and so, having completed um, a relatively calm morning, um, the uh, the camp is struck, packed up, and uh, with uh, one sort of last sip of of coffee, Ita, uh, your mug is rapidly swept away by Nerman, um, rinsed out and stowed. And uh, as the caravan is packed, collectively, uh, you all begin the long march deeper into the woods in search of the Exile's Moon. This episode of Curse, Code, and Crown Sound was mixed and edited by Laura Hamstra, and the campaign was created by Tom McGee. Our original theme music was composed by Landon Noblock, and Curse, Code, and Crown's artwork was created by the brilliant Del Barovic. If you want to follow our players or our DM on Twitter, you can reach out to Laura at El Hamstring, Ryan at the Ryan LeBlanc. 
Tyler at Tyler underscore Hewitt, Tom McGee at McGee TD, or you can message our whole company at Dum Dum Dice. So please join us again for more Curse Code and Crown! Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. The Half-Blind Prophet, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, Richard Cranium, Sammy Boy, Orion Birchfield, Scott Garland, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Logan, Fire Unfriendly, Acrix, Grandma Likes D&D, Alan, Austin Nut Powers Fry, Stabby Stranger, Glitch Trick, Roman Brown, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.